the Comic Corner. It is me, your host, Team Up, and as usual, I am joined with my co-host, Dad. Hey, Dad, how you doing today? Oh, yeah, every day's a miracle. Right? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. We live in a wasteland, and we're all watching it burn. Yep. But uh, on the plus side, we read some comics this week. Um, we read Black Hole. It was a book. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about uh, some cool stuff you read this week. Anything? What do you got? Uh, keep it up with the X-Men and the X-Sword stuff. They find, dude, Apocalypse, after how many years of him being around, finally got like a coherent backstory. I heard that there's, uh, that he's like supposed to be the, the eighth Apocalypse or something like that. What? No. Oh, so in a guidebook that's coming out for X of Swords, it like kind of lays out his like past to help you understand more about him as a character right now. And there's some sort of reference to him not being the original Apocalypse. All right. I mean, that would make sense if you go with his canon thing of like he dies and is reborn every millennia or whatever like that. That lines up. So like, but it's weird. They they make it. They go even more in depth to it and say, uh, now granted, I just read an article about this. I didn't actually read it, but it was kind of summarized in the article of. So the like the horseman of death is always prepared to ascend to be the next apocalypse. Uh, and so Abensor, right? That's his name. Nope, Abensor is the guy who uh, made Hal Jordan the Green Lantern. You should know, You're right? Sorry, I did. En yeah. Sabanur. En Sabanur, excuse me. You know, I'm going crazy with these walls. But uh, yeah, so he's like not the first. And it all has to do with um, like the Celestials. And he wasn't necessarily the first chosen one that they had. But it's like going back to the beginning of time kind of deal. And it's, but like, so the, like the horseman of death is always supposed to be like prepared to ascend and become the next uh, quote unquote apocalypse. So like there was at one point where the celestials were grooming uh, angel to become the next apocalypse. And yeah, it's like part of the deal with the celestials and why he gets their armor and stuff. Cause they're the ones who made him as powerful as he is. All right, yeah. Is it tracking? No, didn't talk about any of that. This talked about why, like, he's on the the like the quest he's on, why he is survival of the fittest, and why he always has four people with him. Interesting, because this was this was also had to do with like why he had to close the gate and has always been trying, like, doesn't want to close it now, so he can get like the original four horsemen and his wife back. Yeah, yep, it goes into that because it shows the the five of them. His wife, his wife is essentially the leader with Apocalypse as the figurehead, like the priest, if you will. And the four the four horsemen leave with Genesis, Apocalypse's wife, and he's like, "I wish I could join you." And she turns and says, "We uh, like I'd like you to join us as well, but we know you can't. You're not strong enough." So it's implied that Apocalypse is the weakest of the six. But from then forward, before they leave, his wife says, judge them all. Judge them and make sure they're ready for when you like this fight comes back. And that's why Apocalypse has always been survival of the fittest, only the strongest survive. And he's always had the four horsemen because they are his four children that he's always been trying to fill that space with. Mm-hmm. Like it's 
it was just one issue of, I mean, Apocalypse is like my favorite. And they finally gave this man some fucking motivation outside of just like world ending villain. Right. They're actually like building him as a character because they're realizing with the, the mutants that they've introduced so many over so long. And, but they're all just, a lot of them are just shallow. Yeah. So this was, uh, it's actually, it's the issue of, I think it was X-Men from this week. And it's, it's like Apocalypse's story and how he gets his sword. But then, like, Gorgon's there, and I think Gorgon gets his sword, too. So it's, it's interesting. Well, are there ten, right? Yeah, and we're, I think they're almost there. They're almost at ten. Yeah. I, read the, I also read about Wolverine and his uh, that was, that was good back one. and forth with the Krakoa. Yeah, he and Krakoa got into an argument. Yeah, he basically was like, I'll never trust you again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It's a sentient being. It's obviously going to look out for itself. Right. Well, it's looking out for its brother that it wants back, so it can become one full continent. Yep, it wants to go back to being... Uh, now, is it tech... Now, is is this like a... Is, is the sentient island in the same way that, like, the Inhumans have sentient doors? Where it's like, like it, it was a person, and then, you know, he evolved into a sentient door. Uh, I haven't seen, I don't know, Krakoa is like a character that was featured prior, but I don't know much about its history. All right. I don't know if it's like a plant with the X gene or something. Okay, because I'm just curious if it's kind of like, like Lockjaw. You you know who Lockjaw is. From yeah. He used to be a person. Right, right. And then after his genesis uh, became a dog. Yeah, it's a sentient living island located in the middle of the Pacific. Right. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, and you were yeah. telling me about Hellions, which I didn't read. Oh, my God. Hellions last week was so funny. Only because uh, Sinister. Mr. Sinister gets a bunch of screen time. And the writing for him is just astounding. He is just the like the snarkiest, smarmiest. Uh, he's, he's very posh. He calls someone a Philistine. <laughs> and, uh, you hear that insult very often. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I can't remember. It's, you know, one of the angrier mutants who's on the Quiet Council. Um, But Sinister stands up to offer his opinion because he always stands to command the attention. And his tassels hit uh, this mutant in the face. He tells him to, you know, get his tassels away from him. And Sinister just responds, it's plumage, you Philistine. So, like, that just sets you up for just some madness that comes with Mr. Sinister. There's a beautiful rock, paper, scissors game that uh, is for a life. He has to trade his cape, and it's just heartbreaking. It's, I'm uh, sure he's got a whole closet full of them. Oh, he get, he gets a cape back, don't worry. But it's uh, he's like going around just to strangers and grabbing them, being like, oh, normally I'm wearing a cape, but like it, it's fine, I'm not wearing one, but normally like I'm wearing a cape, and it's sick, it's a sick cape. And you're like, all right, like Sinister's really attached to his cape. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, so for me, uh, I've obviously been reading death metal yeah that's, that too. that's been getting wild um the batman 100 the batman joker war stuff was pretty good what did i read last week fuck um maestro came out today that was a good time i haven't read anything from this week 
Um, Immortal Hulk from last week was fucking so perfect. Oh, it was so good. The Return of the Devil Hulk. Yeah, and just like the the head getting crushed. Like watching him try to control like three or four characters at the same time was so fucking weird. Yeah, I you know I haven't actually read all that much lately. I guess. Yeah, because I meant to sit down and read Rorschach and Strange Adventures, but didn't get to. All right, so you know what I have been reading, and it's been weird, and I'm one issue behind on it, uh, but I kind of know what happens in it because, you know, spoilers are for suckers. The Marvel Zombies Resurrection. Oh, yeah? Uh, Yeah, so it all starts with, like, it was, like, a one-issue thing that came out, like, last year. Where basically the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and the X-Men core team all go into space because there's some shit going on. And when they, because uh, there's a, uh, a distress signal from Captain Marvel. And they get there and they just see Galactus's floating corpse in space. And they're just like, what the fuck? So then they go into his ear and that's the end of the issue. There's a lot of screams and that's the end of the issue. Fast forward to this year, and it's a four-issue series that's that's been coming out. And it's, like, way darker and not nearly as funny as the original Marvel Zombies, but in a good way. Like, it's just very bleak. Um, And it centers around Peter Parker, uh, the Richard kids, Franklin and Valeria, and Blade. And I've never seen Blade with such a smile, drawn with such a smile on his face that when he's just mowing down zombies, super zombies or civilian zombies. Do love some uh, mowing down of... Undead. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so that's been a really cool read. I have one issue behind, but um, I do know that like they find Wolverine and they're doing the, you know cut a piece of his body off so it grows back and don't infect him kind of deal. Really abusing the uh, what the healing factor that he's got to like stave off the hunger. It's very very dark. So that's been an interesting read. Yeah, sounds like a good time. But uh, yeah, let's get down to Black Hole. Um, I'm going to come out there and say it. I wasn't a huge fan. This was grueling to get through. It was very slow. Uh, I understand why like indie art dudes like rubbed it all over their junk and loved it. But it just like, it was too slow and just dragged on. Every time I thought it was going to get really good, it just like slowed back down. Or there was like a major time jump and you're like, well, what the fuck? Huh? Like there's literally a scene where someone gets busted in the face with a pipe and you see him like them get basically beat to death and then it's not referenced or talked about again for like an issue and a half. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, so wait, I, I don't understand. I still don't get like, your problem was it wasn't action filled enough? No, I mean, boiled down, yes. There like wasn't enough and I don't mean action like, you know, kick, pow, bang, or boom, or anything like that. Just like 
not enough happened. So there was nothing about like the love story of, you know, the between Chris and Rob, like you with that growing together and then he gets fucking murdered in cold blood and she has to live out the rest of her life. Like that didn't, the, the heartstrings didn't get tugged at all with these I mean, relationships yeah, it did, but just the, the way it was, down. the way it was, you know, the way that part of the story was told was just like, like it was so slow and like, you never really knew what was going on at any point. Like it was just so broken up. Like, and like choppy the way the story is told and like sometimes like something would happen in like one issue and then you find out time-wise it actually happens in like the like two issues later you would not like david lynch man i mean eraserhead's cool yeah that's really straightforward um yeah it just was like very i don't know and like i just feel like the end i didn't get a good enough pay off to everything uh it definitely was very the ending was weird these characters getting like lost in their heads that was seemed to be what most of this was i mean yeah it's all about like the tension and the the weird especially like i mean obviously i don't know what it was like in the 70s but like the weird morality around it like if you're having sex you're being viewed as this fucking like monster but that wasn't even talked about no it's it's a metaphor they're not going to beat you over the head with it right but like they weren't even like and like the reasons that these the kids did some of the, like the reason one of the characters like uh chris just like runs out and lives in the woods like why did her family find her why is no one looking in the fucking woods for these kids that have all gone missing like why is that not a bigger plot point in the town that they're all living in that the te- like there's teenagers going missing all the time so from what I've gathered, there are two people that go missing. That kid who's murdered, and then one other person who everybody talks about being missing. Everybody knows. But I think the whole, like, she's lying to her parents. So, because, like, I, there's a scene where her parents confront her. And they're like, look, the school called. We know you're skipping classes. We called Marcy's. We know you're not there. Where are yeah. you? And, and then, then she gets grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And then she runs away from home. Yeah. And lives so it's in like, the woods. She lives the rest of the book in the woods. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, you're, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just not the, the emotional pull's not there for you or something. Right. The, like, the, she, whole, like the whole in the story for me is that like, at no point was there's a bunch of missing kids, like a plot point in the story. It's, the story's about the kids. We're not getting the parents' perspective. Like, But even the other kids... Like, it wasn't even a concern of, like, where are the students disappearing to? Where are the classmates going? Just, like... Again, just... I, I only remember there being the two people who go missing and they're mentioned being missing. No, there's a whole camp of kids in the woods, like, that she goes to live with. Right. I, that's just, like, people who claim to have moved out but never found a place. So they live out, they're just homeless. Right, but they're all, like, around the same age as Chris. And, like, they're not necessarily old enough to have just left. It's, again, they're they're being shunned from their own homes because they have the bug. The only way they can find any sort of community is out in the woods with the rest of the fucking animals together. Like, that's, they're, essentially, they're being, like, sent away from their homes. It's not like they're going missing. They're being shunned at home. 
So they're leaving. Like this, it's the whole the exclusion of being exiled from the community because they have this this disease. I guess it just wasn't. They didn't lay that part on thick enough, I guess. Because it just seemed like a very quick jump to my mom's going to find out where we had sex to now I live in the woods forever. I mean, you just described the plot points. She like we we were just ran through it. She denied it, denied it, lied about it, got caught, was reprimanded, ran away. Like I, it wasn't really that like that much of a wash. Right, but they like there was no worry about any of the other characters like your parents are looking for you. They asked me questions about where you were or anything like that. Like even when she shows back up at like one of her friends' house later in the story, like the friends doesn't even like wonder where she's been. She's just like, Oh, you smell and look like shit. Yeah. Where that's like in that implied, like, dude, what's going on? You smell and look like shit. It just, I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't laid on thick enough. Maybe again, I just like, I'm not, I didn't read it deep enough. But it just seemed, uh, it seemed like there were a lot of holes in it. And again, maybe because it's the 70s, things were different. 70s and suburban Seattle. Yeah. I mean, but, it was, uh, it's literally the definition of like, you're just, you're, you're out and about and gone. And as long as you're coming home, nobody's asking questions. There was only one scene where it actually showed parents like worried. And it was like when she was talking about uh, Rob who gets beat in the face and dies, you know, with a pipe. Yeah, the, the uh, homeless guy beats the living shit out of him. Yeah, and it's because, you know, uh, his friend Dave wants, you know, wanted to, like, rape her, maybe? Oh, yeah. No, that's exactly what was going on there. Uh, and then just, like, the, like, all the murder going on was very strange at the end there. That, that kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like the black hole of it. You eventually just succumb. But uh, yeah, it did seem to kind of come out of left field. Like all of a sudden that dude, uh, what is it, Dave, has just like is a homicidal maniac for like the last issue and a half. Right. Which uh, it is odd. It does seemingly come out of nowhere. But like I'm honestly, I liked the way it was. Spread out. Once it explains it later on, like when it shows... uh... The scene of it, like him going to KFC. Uh, oh yeah. Afterwards, I would assume. Yeah, when he orders the after he does after that, he orders the bucket of chicken, and then he murders the dude who he gives the chicken to, right? Right. And then kills himself. Yep. It just seemed like uh, they were living in a town that was either uh, willfully ignorant of the world around of what was going on or just didn't care well yeah dude none of these people wanted to admit that their kids were having sex that could potentially be you know diseased right and then the only one the only character who really made a lot of sense was uh liz uh eliza the girl with the tail yeah 
what do you mean made sense? Like they, I thought they all acted well within their nature and the way they were presented. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, she made sense to the story that was trying to be told, I guess. But then again, it might, it was almost a weird parallel of Chris and Rob, like basically their whole life spiraling downwards into nothingness. And then Liz and oh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Keith. And Keith? I think. No, that was Marcy's friend or Macy's boyfriend. Well, Keith also knows uh, Chris, I believe. Isn't he yeah. the dude that he's the dude that passes out in the biology class, right? Yeah. Because he stares into the abyss that is a dissected frog. Right. Uh, but the like the guy who who likes Chris. Uh, Kyle? Yeah, Kyle. And like lets them stay at the his neighbor's house. And like the one who's smoking a joint in the garage when everyone's getting murdered, and he's like, oh, it's firecrackers. Is the guy with the glasses? No, no. He's the guy who runs away with Liz in the end. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think that's Keith. Yeah, Keith and Eliza check into the motel. Yeah. It just seemed very... uh, It was very strange. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's the God's honest truth. What is? And all like the weird, the fucking dream sequences. and I mean, the art in this book is out of this world. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't say a mean thing about the art. Um, and even the in the beginning of each issue, when it showed you each of the... like Class the, pictures? The mutation. Yeah, the class pictures before the mutation and after the mutation. I fucking love that. That was really good. Uh, it was also really cool that this book was started to be printed out of Northampton. That makes sense. Well, I mean, uh, it was 12 issues printed over 10 years. Yeah. Was that what it was? I believe so. Yeah. From 95 to 2005. Then it was was compiled as a hardcover uh, in 2005. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah, 12 issue limited series between 95 and 2005. The first four issues by Kitchen Sink Press. Uh, and then they went out of business. Uh, I was picked and then up by Fanta- Fantagraphics printed, reprinted the first four and then the, la- the remaining eight. So there was probably a big break in between uh, the first four issues and the last eight issues. But yeah, it was weird. What is what else is uh, Charles Byrne like done? I'm actually looking at his uh, publications now. Obviously, Black Hole did something called Big Baby, X'd Out, The Hive, Sugar Skull, Curse of the Mole Man. That sounds like fun. Oh, the big break was actually between issue six and issue nine. Because you got Black Hole issue 6 was in 98. Black Hole 7 and 8 were in 2000. 9 was in 2001. 10 was 2002. 3 and 4 was 11, 10, 11, 12. Huh. It looks like he's done some illustration on stuff too. Oh my God, wait, what? 
says he's an illustration book. It's called Johnny 23, and it's a link that just brings you to Con Air. I don't know what... I don't see Charles Burns anywhere about Con Air, but I am intrigued. Maybe he helped design the the fucking uh, poster for Con Air. Probably, because it, it also says, like, just looking at his... Uh, thing he did the album art for Iggy Pop's Brick by Brick. Yep. Uh, he his art was licensed by the Coca Cola Company to for advertising material for their failed OK Soda product. Uh, he worked for Altoids, Dog Boy Stories. Uh, He's in a bunch, huh? Yeah, he apparently he worked on like someone's version of the Nutcracker. Nice. So yeah, he's clearly uh, known for his illustration, which obviously comes out within Black Hole. Oh yeah, again, there's like the art in this a second. Those dream sequences are so wild. Yeah, they're, probably, they're, probably they're a, a lot of fun. Yeah. There was a lot going on. It was like, and every time you looked at it, it was different. Lots of snakes and dolls. Yeah, the dolls were in bones. And it was weird that he was putting like the bone, like this bone sculptures was a really weird thing. Yeah. Reminded Uh, me of like True Detective and like all the weird uh, things that make out of the branches. Yeah. The, I think some of the weirdest parts were like some of the, you couldn't necessarily tell what some of the mutations were. Like, uh, Chris's was the weirdest. It was like the most low level one because it just hurt. She would just like shed her, her skin was paper thin, was like supposed to be what it was, you know, alluding to because it would just like tear off all the time. Yeah, I mean, that still sucks. Like, Oh, sorry. Uh, can you excuse me for the next 10 minutes? My skin is peeling off. I need to take off my body. Yeah, I need to go shed. Wouldn't you also, like, lose your hair? Uh, maybe. Like, I feel like she should be completely, like, hair-free. Like a fucking lizard, you know? Well, that's... There was the lizard queen. That was Liz. Oh, yeah, that was Liz. Well, that's because the tail, right? Yeah. Which was such a funny... I like. I think one of my favorite illustrations in the whole book is her tail wagging when she's drawing at the sunset, at the sunrise, and it's like swishing the dust around. When they're both just like naked on the beach. Yeah. And I want to know where some of the body parts came. From. Like, where did that arm come from? Did they ever get into that? Uh, maybe that was someone's disease. You know. They just turned into arm fall off boy. From uh, the or, DC comics. I mean, you mean uh, Nathan Fillion's character in the Suicide Squad? I mean, allegedly. Yeah. What is it? The the detachable kid is uh, supposedly his name in this TDK. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone's mutation is like their arm falls off every day. Because it seems like multiple people see that arm. That I, it's, I think it's the same arm. It's one of those like, uh, oh, you guys want to go see the dead body in the woods kind of situations. You know, I'm just glad it didn't happen to me. Yeah. The bug. I mean, so the concept of this was like really good. And it's like, you know, there's a a play, like an STD plague that sweeps through a small town and it mutates you 
uh, and it gives you an outward mutation. Yeah, as opposed to the inward mutation. Right. Um, almost like a bat, like a, a badge of shame, and like that in itself was really cool. But it just didn't feel like there's any through narrative. Do you really but, not think there's a through narrative in this? I mean, yes, there was, but like again, it just again, I guess because you like you said earlier, it's an anthology, and it just kind of there's not supposed to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. Well, I mean, there's a pretty straightforward beginning, middle, and end. I know, but nothing happens. Do, uh, do people get murdered? A bunch of people get sick? Like, there's, I don't know, if this just wasn't, like, bright and shiny enough for you. Like, I, I still don't know. This was great, I thought. And yeah. it just may, maybe because it was so dense in metaphor, but, like, I don't know. It was, like, and. To, to make it so bleak with the artwork and having it all in black and white and being so graphic and it just you get that awkwardness that it was to be a teenager in these like in these horrible situations like that dude Keith gets peer pressured into doing fucking everything yeah um, that did uh, Chris inadvertently just overwhelmed by hormones gives herself the bug because like there's just a communication breakdown like right. there's just so much of that going on. I'm I'm not, I'm surprised I'm surprised but not much not that surprised because I know you weren't a fan of Joker which was very uh I mean I like Joker but uh, I, you you told me you were expecting more uh blam mash pow I was expecting a little bit more from it yes in the same way with uh it's one of the like a movie that happens in the last 20 minutes Again, that's not necessarily a bad thing when it's done well. This was done well. I still don't know, like, all the murder, again, seemed a little outside the box, but, like... It, it seemed rushed, is, I guess. That, yeah. The ending seemed very rushed. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. That I'm there with you. That's my... That I guess, my that, I guess that's, that's my big thing, was, like, all of a sudden, there was, like, it was very slow burn, and then... And I, you know, it was almost like you were stoned the whole way through, like as the reader. I wonder if maybe that's the point. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of scenes of main characters just getting stoned, but and drunk. Well, and I, mean, like, I guess. Oh, go on. I was gonna say, and also in the way, like, oh, the all the drunk scenes, because there is a lot of like jumping backward and forward and spot, like just chunks of time that are missing. So as, as a reader, you just kind of felt fucked up the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm looking back over issue 11, which or issue 10, the end of 10 and 11, which is when we get uh, Dave, or actually just issue 11 when we get Dave. You know, Dave doing Dave things. Yeah, right. Dog boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does look like a mutt. I get it. I mean, that just seemed what his mutation seemed to look like to me. Yeah, or maybe like, yeah. Also, uh, the third page, or one of the opening pages of every issue, there was like a a thinly veiled vagina picture. Yeah, oh, uh, there's there's a lot of that. Like the ch uh, again, we're looking at eleven, and there's the chicken bone. Yep. 
Uh, there's another one where it's like the cut uh, um, down the back of Chris, down the back of Chris's spine. Is it? There's one that's like just a, a tree, very a lot thin that, uh, Christmas tree. The foot, the wound in the foot's a big one. Yep. Oh, the piece of tape with acid on it, with the acid uh, hit on it. Yep. So you do everything. It's all like, it's all ripe with like metaphor. Just gotta take a second and look at it, man. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it makes sense when you look at uh, looking at Dave's progression. Like that's someone. I mean, I'm, I don't know how many times. Obviously, I don't have numbers, but like, how many people who have say found out they have AIDS or HIV have just lost their fucking minds and ended up like killing the person responsible and then killing themselves? You know, just like snapping. Like that's. Yeah. I'm sure that's a thing that happens. And plus, with this being written in '95, I'm sure there was some kind of weird. So there's a lot of that bullshit going on in nine, in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're right. You know, there's there, there's something there, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see what like what was the like the coolest mutation. Oh, I never even thought about it. The first time like in one of the first issues where he finds this like, is this skin? Like in the woods, it's her skin. Yeah, dude. They sh- don't they show it the first time like that? It's either the end of that issue or the next one. Is when it's like it, but it almost takes place in a dream. And you're not quite sure if she's actually in the tent. You yeah. see her like take it off, and she just hums it onto the branches under the bushes. But, that happen- but that's that like timeline wise happens so much later in the story. It also could mean that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's happened multiple times. I would imagine. I never. We never saw the girl with antler with like bug antenna. Yeah, I think there were a bunch of people. Well, I'm just going through like all the issues, looking at the muta- like the mutation ones, like the dude who gets like just the huge teeth in his gums, like in his lips, like pull back. Oh yeah, that's uh, awful. But I also wasn't quite sure if that was the acid trip. Uh, maybe. I'm just, well, because it looks like the first two pages of each issue are a school picture of someone normal and then after they catch the bug. Yeah. And I do want to bring up, what the fuck was up with the Miracle Whip sandwiches? Yo, white people in the 70s love Miracle Whip. Miracle, uh, Miracle Whip and, like, bologna. I was there, are you a Miracle Whip or are you a Heinz guy? I don't use either. Mayonnaise and those things freak me out. They're unnatural. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not a huge mayonnaise person, but when in need of it for recipes, I do prefer Hellman's. Don't like plain mayo. I like a nice aioli. You know, give me a little, uh, give me a little spicy. A little flavor to it. Yeah, something that's not just like weird white spread. Like, well, that's why the only things that I use mayo in is like chicken salad. That I'm also adding a bunch of garlic and onion and other shit too. Right. Not just lathering up a piece of bread with a couple of cold cuts on it. Like, well, this will be good. Yeah, I've seen people do it. Oh, yeah. There is one that it doesn't show a mutation, and it's issue eight. She just has bandages on her, like, face and neck. Yeah, that's like uh, the girl who's wearing the bandages on her hands. Yeah. She's like, no, I burned them. I burned them every week for the last three weeks. Yeah, I don't have webbed fingers, I promise. 
it just I, I would have liked to spend more time with more characters than like found out more about some of these mutations like even keith's is super weird because it's very passing in the very end and i didn't even realize when he's like oh i did the ace bandage thing i was like why did he wrap his chest you don't find out for another couple of pages that his mutation is like he basically grows tadpoles out of his chest yeah it's sick like in a couple of different ways yeah yeah it's like i don't know i thought it was a good time i was i was a big fan Again, there were times where I was into it, and there were times where I was just like, what is going on? It's more straightforward than, uh, what was that, the weird space cult one? Or the space... Nameless? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, this one's definitely a little more forward than that one, but Nameless... A little more coherent. Yeah. I liked Nameless more, though. But again, maybe just, that's just like... Because the art in that one was also fucking out of this world, both literally and figuratively. I see what you did there. Or was it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, uh, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, it gets, uh, gets a couple thumbs up for me. I right. feel like I, I'd, I'd have to sit down and read it again. All right. I was going to say, like, what was your favorite part of it, I guess? If you had to say your, like, your favorite part and your least favorite part. Even just scene-wise. I Yeah, I don't know if I can pick a particular scene because there's so much to go through. Um, I don't know, just like the general like uneasiness around it, like the tension throughout it, I liked. And obviously the art, because it was just so, it was like really clean and crisp. Yeah, I will say that. It was super crisp. Uh, and it got incredibly surreal. Um, I don't like, I don't know, I can't pick a particular thing about it I, I all right so i'll say one of my favorite parts one of my least favorite parts was not knowing more about these mutations at all i would have liked a little more background into them uh, i also hated the entire scene where chris is hating on bowie not oh cool. yeah that's that's not fun not cool on her part uh but i still think one of my favorite things and it was the dumbest joke in the whole book was how Rob, and she even says, like, it was so dumb, but I always laughed, was any time uh, he hold up his cigarettes and be like, just smoke what you are, right? And Because he, he's always smoking cools. Yeah, and she, yeah, she, at one point she's like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, you fu- yeah, like, fuck you. And it's like, I, I definitely have some friends who, if they smoke cools, they would say that every fucking time. You know, teenagers are dumb, and I guess this really exemplifies that. Yeah, we were all stupid. Super stupid. Although I didn't drink this much when I was their age. I, I did. Yeah, most people did. Well, I was straight edge for a small period of time that, that you can't really consider actually being straight edge because I don't feel like you could be straight edge if you're not old enough to buy beer. No, you just that just means you can't get booze. Yeah, it just means you can't buy beer. Well, I guess if you really want to be straight edge, you could say it like. Yeah, you could live the life, but it's easy to not buy beer or to be straight edge when you can't buy beer. That's, I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, also, there's a lot of snakes, a lot of snakes and worms. Yep. Now that yep. I'm looking through some of these dream sequences. Well, it's like, uh, you know, digging into the unconscious really underground gives that subterranean feel. And the snake is, you know, they're all changing, man. They're going through these ch- ch- changes. 
to quote David Bowie. It changes. Yeah. So I guess uh, you want to you want to just lay down some final thoughts. I'd like to give it another go, but I would I would suggest it for someone who's looking for something a little in depth to sit down with. It's something to chew on. Yeah, I, it took me a, like I actually had to sit down over a few days. Like this is one of the books, the first books that we've read that I couldn't sit down and like crush a bunch of issues in, no matter how much time I had. Because after like two or three issues, I always had to put it down. Because it either like made me feel uneasy for whatever reason, or it was just like I needed to sit on some things that had just happened in the book before I could go forward. Yeah, that, I see. I that's all that that screams. It was a great book to me. These this one took me a, a couple of sittings to read, whereas in most of them, you know, two or three sittings, I would do the whole thing. So I, I say, like, I I guess I would like to read this again, uh, and maybe it'll be better. Um, but I, you know, on a scale of one to ten, I would give this like. Like a five. It was a real middle of the road for me. Nice. Hey man, like Kingsman was like a like a three. So two or a three. Yo, Kingsman was bad. <laughs> I just love that we can always bring up that that was the worst thing we've read in book club. Like that was so that was so bad it made me angry. Yeah. Because I don't I I still to this day don't understand how that was made into a movie. Like who uh, owed that who owed that guy a fucking favor that that got made into a movie. It's it barely got made into a movie. It was just like you did a good job of like this concept of of the send up of spy genre. You want to make a movie with me? And he was like, "Yeah, but we can't do anything the same." Yeah, we have to change it entirely. Almost in like almost from the start needs to be something different. So yeah, that was uh, that was Black Hole. Uh, well, technically that was Kingsman, but Black Hole much better. Yes, yes, yes. So Black Hole is really good. The art, I, like, I'll give the story a six, but I'll give the art, like, a solid nine. Oh, absolutely. Um, the only thing that I think that could have been cooler, and you're probably going to disagree with me, is in some of the nightmare slash, like, dream sequences, if there was color. No. And I'm not talking a ton of color. I'm talking, like, real weird... Like, especially in some of these, uh, I'm looking at the summer vacation in issue nine. It's like the first thing where she's walking through it. Like, give me like, like just breaths of like purple or some red or something that like real muted, real subtle, almost like you can't even tell that there's color on the page just to make it that much more surreal. No, I, I I wildly disagree. But it's not as stark, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, this is why we do book club together because we have two very differing opinions on like shit like this. Yes. And but yeah, the, I will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but remember, uh, white bread, bologna, iceberg lettuce. And Miracle Whip does not make a good sandwich. No, no, no. Like it's mostly, crisp, uh, clean, probably, but what? 
They didn't even put any like like black pepper on it. Nothing. White people do bologna. You know, it's it's all they need. Ugh. All I know is that uh, yeah. Uh, also, iceberg lettuce is just the inferior lettuce. Give me romaine. Yeah. At least maybe some maybe some spinach. All right, so that was that. Next time we're doing 2011 Clive Barker's Hellraiser from Marvel. It's going to be super weird. Keep the spooky shit going for as long as we can. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Don't forget to wash your hands, wear a mask, and vote. All right, peace. <laughs>